everybody, senior writer Katie Ripe here, and we are here to discuss Game of Thrones season eight, episode four. It's called The Last of the Starks, and I have a new very special guest with me this week. It's TV editor Eric Adams. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hi, Eric. Hi, Katie. Excited to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. And and we've got a lot to talk about this week, so buckle up. This is Winter is Here with the AV Club. Winter is here. Well, first off, at the top of the show, I would like to apologize. I have an apology to make. In the second episode of this podcast, talking about the quote-unquote bottle episode, it's not a true bottle episode, at Winterfell, I said it was the closest to a kegger that Winterfell could throw. And I apologize to the people of the North for implying that they do not know how to party, because this episode proved that they very much know how to party. Though, to, to be fair, it's a lot of people in addition to the people of the North. So maybe, That's you know, you're, you're making a generalization about the people who live in Winterfell. But, yeah. you know, we got a lot of people packed into what amounts to this giant sort of, like, graduation day kegger <laughs> uh, at Winterfell. You got the free folk. You've got mm-hmm. uh, the armies uh, of the Unsullied and whoever Dothraki are left over. There and... were a few because the Dothraki comes out. I thought maybe the Dothraki were completely gone, but a Dothraki comes out at the beginning in the uh, funeral pyre scene where they send all the leaders out. And I noticed they had Arya as the leader of the um, Brotherhood Without Banners, which I thought was interesting. Oh, interesting. Well, I guess- She burned Beric Dondarrion. Yeah. Yeah. And if Beric is dead, like, where does the Brotherhood stand? Oh, that's done. (laughs) Done That's done. That's donezo. Who's left the Hound? Hound doesn't give a shit. Um, No, they're done. but so, that's off. Anyway, anyway, yeah. so after all that happens, the party starts off kind of sedate because somebody chides somebody else, I forget who, like, oh, we can still smell the burning bodies. Oh, the hound chides Gendry okay. for asking where Arya is because he's like, oh, you're already thinking about that? Right. And then everybody's thinking about that. Everybody's <laughs> thinking about that. Like By the end of the party. That is what's on everybody's mind. I was a little, so I, I liked the party scene, but I definitely felt like it was written by dudes. <laughs> and for, it was. It was written by by the creators of the yes, show. Yes, it was definitely written by men for two reasons. One, the part where Sansa is like, I'm glad that I got <laughs> raped because it made me a stronger person. I don't know if anyone would actually say that in P- real life. P- you, what a stinker. Whoo, I was just like, show, you better give Sansa Stark something amazing to do at the end and make up for whatever the fuck that was. And then um, also the part at the end of that scene, like they don't establish that those women are sex workers, like they're just like pouring the wine and stuff, but they're definitely kind of treated as like like as like a joke, like her her look in the background, Pod has two, you know, and it's sort <laughs> of like in a way that it's like you know not necessarily offensive, but not realistic either. Yeah. There's just this presumption of, of those, sex work thrust yeah, upon That's the only way characters. that that makes sense to me is if those gals were working and I have no problem with them working. They just did not establish that very well. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not, to quote Bran Stark, there's not enough time for this. The show is definitely dealing with these problems of having to compress mm-hmm. all of this stuff that it wants to do before the end of the show sure. into a shorter amount of episodes, even if the episodes themselves are lasting a little longer. Yeah, this one was, I think, what, like an hour 10? Yeah, hour 10, hour 20. I noticed this last night because I always check the running time when it starts because they had said that they were going to do feature-length episodes. The hour 20 includes the next on and the behind the 
episode. Uh, oh, inclusively behind the episodes? It includes Those go it, yeah. for so long. I never even watched them. Oh, no, they're super boring. I watched the next ons, of course, but yeah. I never watched the behind the episodes. Yeah, I want I want to get a little tease about what's coming next week, but I Absolutely. don't want to hear David Benioff just Especially like, after this episode where I was just like, okay, well, they're doing something. They're doing something because that's really all this episode is, right, is build up for next week. Yeah, 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 for the final conflict. And, you know, the final conflict seemed pretty straightforward at the end of the last episode when the war against the dead was done. It was like, okay, well, they're going to march south and kill Cersei the end. But now that is much less assured. Which I think is in line with the character of the show and the way that it tells its stories. But this is just another area where it's getting hung up on not having enough time and enough space Mm -hmm. to kind of actually serve this stuff. And I think it's kind of cropping up in these sloppy ways of just like the show not living up to its full potential. I I do have one beef with this show where if I met Benioff and Weiss, I'd be like, Tiny Mormont opened her eyes and they were blue. She should have (laughs) shattered into a million pieces. I understand she was a popular character, but you can't defy your own internal logic like that, Game of Thrones. And you saw something that I I couldn't believe it. I, I cannot take credit for seeing this. Yes, it I was only, our sister site. Yes, it was yes. our sister site, Gizmodo. Uh, they have a post up. You can go gizmodo.com mm-hmm. and find horrifying photographic evidence. I couldn't believe it. Of a modern coffee cup left out on a table and by mod- during the keg. And by scene. modern coffee cup, he means like a takeout cup with yeah. a sleeve on it. I'm not talking about this. Not, I'm, not this. I'm talking not about ceramic cup. something that Daenerys got from a barista who probably yes. misspelled her name. <laughs> Do you think she, like, burns them with dragon fire if they spell her name wrong? Like, I am your queen. Well, the problem is she's got all those uh, nicknames uh, to That's, write after. Oh so it's God. a lot to remember. Do you you know? th- she's at Starbucks, and they're like, what's your name? And she's like, mother of dragons, breaker of chains, first of her. And they're like, uh... Daenerys then? But yeah, this episode is kind of characterized by a certain sloppiness, a kind of like needing to gloss over things because there's only so much time left. And I think that really, really impacts the Jamie and Brienne stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. How so? You've got like maybe, what, 15 minutes of screen time between these two characters? And they're finally consummating and bringing this tension to a This possibility of a new life for Jamie and this possibility of Brienne kind of getting her reward and there's something that was kind of interesting about that and I I don't know I mean I kind of can't help but see things through a gendered lens but something that I noticed was that like the female warriors Arya was like nah I don't want it and then uh, Brienne wants a like you know a man as a reward in the way that sometimes men who are brave warriors see a woman as a reward for their hard work like the women warriors don't get that on this show Mm -hmm. and Having been on, I'm not a warrior, but having been on the dating scene, even as a pop culture writer, like I fucking get it, but <laughs> it's still not all that satisfying. <laughs> so then you also, you, you know, you probably sympathize with Gendry's situation too. He got stone cold turned down. Yeah, even after he became a lord. But that's like, clearly that's not what Arya wants. Well, I mean, it reinforces the dynamic that like, if a woman wants to be a warrior, or like a career, you know, because in this world, being a warrior is a career. Yeah. So a warrior is a career woman, and you don't get to have a relationship and that. So you're saying that it's impossible to have it all, even on Game of Thrones, Eric. <laughs> even on Game of Thrones, this is, we're we're just building. Even in Westeros, we're all trying to have it all. 
<laughs> We're just building all of these parallels to 80s comedies that I wanted to build out of this episode. Like, Gendry is clearly, like, if John Hughes was making this episode, John Cusack would be playing Gendry. Yeah, he totally would. He totally would, 100%. He'd be holding up that boombox for Arya, and she'd be like, I am trying to practice my archery. Excuse me, I'm riding out of town with my friend, the Hound. Yes, here. with the Hound. What do you think about their continued adventures? I'm excited about you're, it. You're that's, excited for that's it? One of my favorite dynamics on the show. It's one of those arcs that has grown in a way that the Brienne and Jamie arc hasn't. Where right. like it's kind of been stuck in the stasis of the fans really wanting this one. Yeah, thing the romance. To happen. Yeah, the romance. Where, and it happened. So yeah. like technically they did the shippers did get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, like it had this like really like sad ending for Brienne. She can't have it all. It had this really sad ending, and it also like it was as it was building up to the moment that they were gonna like kiss and sleep together, like cutaway. Like yes. real real sort of like bait and switch to well, the shippers. Well, I mean, to be fair, a lot of that has to do with Gwendolyn Christie's contract. Fair she enough, might have yeah. been like, I'm not doing nudity. That would make and, sense. And therefore, you cut right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes that has to do with actors' contracts more than anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so like, you, I mean, I kind of knew that the domestic bliss wasn't going to last when Sansa says something like shitty to Jamie about Cersei, mm-hmm. which frankly is not undeserved. No. You know what I mean? Like, Cersei has been a very destructive force in. Uh, Sansa Stark's life, so yeah, of course she doesn't like her. Maybe maybe Sansa's looking out for the person who's been looking out for her this whole time. Yeah, too, that's where, true. See, here's the thing: I can't. Remember, I wish I could remember which one of our recaps it was that mentioned mm. how Sansa like has that imprint of Littlefinger on her, like just a little mm. bit. That like she did, as horrible as that relationship was, like she did kind of pick up some ways to sure. navigate this world from him. Sure. And I think she was deploying a lot of that. Yeah, in this and that episode. well, and that's different than I'm glad I got raped and abused. <laughs> yeah. Like that's different, you know. I'm glad glad that I got tutelage from this really evil dude because it taught me how evil people think is yeah. is different from what she says at the feast. But anyway. <laughs> and maybe anyway. Sansa is scaring Jamie away through that in that sort of like uh, yeah. little finger way. I mean, it, it kind of makes, it makes like, I'm sad for Brienne, of course. And I'm sad for what that means, you know, like symbolically, like I was saying about like the female warriors still can't have it all, you know. They have to pick between having love and having their career of killing yeah. people. Um, <laughs> God, I am... You can be a faceless man or you can be a happy housemaker. Yeah. It does make sense for the character of Jamie because he started a heel, mm-hmm. pushing Bran out the window, which he cops to. He did, amazingly so. Yeah, he cops to it. Well, I felt like that was sort of a weaponized confession where he was just like, I'm going to make you hate me mm, by telling okay. you that All I right. did this, you know, so you don't come after me. Yeah. Uh, so he owns up to pushing Bran out the window, and that's like one of the first things we see him do. So he starts off a heel, because remember in the beginning, like Catelyn captures him, and he's a real fucking dick to mm-hmm. her. He was a real fucking dick to Brienne at the beginning too. He was, yeah. So he was heel, then he turned face, and now he's heel again, mm-hmm. which I suppose is true to the origins of the character. Speaking to what we've what's come up a few different times over the course of this season, which is you know drawing parallels between the first and the last season. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like, yeah, the show, like, this was the first episode, like, even the battle with the dead, I didn't feel like it was, like, a wrap-up kind of thing. 
uh, like it did wrap up a narrative thread, but it didn't feel that way to me. This episode was the first one where I was just like, oh, right, this is the last season. Like when they sent Ghost to the farm upstate Aww. to go frolic in the fields. With, with, with no actual like farewell to John. Just I sort know. of like him standing across the courtyard and being like, all John, right, bye, dog. John does not even give him a little scritch on the head or anything. Nah, which is you know, just perfect, perfectly in line with, uh, <laughs> with John being a total fuck up. <laughs> But then Samuel, Tarley, and Gilly also got sent to a farm upstate. I assume they're going up north. They yeah, really I would think say. so. Like, are they gonna go? They're gonna go with the free folk to Castle Black. I guess so. I mean, they didn't say they were going back to Old Town, so maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna stay. In oh, at Winterfell, Winterfell, and he can be the maester at Winterfell. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. I'd like that. I I'd like that for both of them. And they yeah, get to, they get to raise little Sam and whoever yeah. the second little one is. Hold and, things down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, the, anyway, <laughs> anyway, their arc is basically wrapped up. Yes. Because their, their purpose in the story is done. And also with Tormund Giantsbane, as much as I love him, that's my dude, Tormund Giantsbane, like chugging them horns full of <laughs> ale. What a fun guy. He, he He's about done, too. His role in the story is done, and so he's going back up north with ghosts, and yeah. they're just going to like run around and... <laughs> I don't know. Which have, is have sex with everything that moves. Which is almost <laughs> like that's that's the other place where you have to kind of rush this Brienne and Jamie thing together mm-hmm. in this episode, where mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, we gotta we gotta have a really good reason for Tormund to go, and we can just finally like close that particular door. Like he's not Brienne is not interested. He's no. severely interested in her. She's not interested in him. Finally, he's going to get the signal. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, gonna he's go. gonna take the hint because, like, I did think that whole thing was very like funny and cute, but like you knew that Brienne wasn't really into him, which kind of like added a little bit of bitterness to the whole thing. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't think they ever took it into the realm of creepiness, but it could have been creepy. Hmm. Him just being obsessed with her and she's not interested. But I don't think they really pushed it that far. Some people might disagree. But it's simply, maybe I'm just saying that because Tormund is such a likable character. Yeah. I don't know. He's a big goofball. hes I don't think he's out to, like, hurt anybody except on the field of battle where mm-hmm. he'll fucking punch your skull in. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> but it's like in his uh, farewell to John, like, mm-hmm. he's talking about how the South doesn't agree with him. Mm-hmm. This is very funny. He's, like, talking about still probably, like, the northern most... It's the point of mo- Westeros that anyone would still refer to as Westeros, and he yeah. calls it the Everyone South. Everyone else calls it the North, but he calls it the South. Because he just, like, he's like, man, there are too many buildings down here. I do not care for it. Yeah. So, farewell, Tormund Giants Bane. Thank you, you for your well. service. <laughs> but meanwhile, while we are... Yeah, speaking of the South, let's talk about yes! the genuine yes, South. Yes, the genuine South. We which have... we've ignored for like two weeks. Two, yeah, two episodes. We haven't been down there in a while. Cersei's been down there just drinking her wine, putting on her face mask, putting cucumbers over her eyes. like Having everybody ready. build giant crossbows. <laughs> yes, huge crossbows. So we are reintroducing characters in the South because now that we're moving from the conflict in the North, conflict in the South, we, uh, yeah, bring people back and my other favorite character Varys came yeah. back hard this episode All right. yeah that's the scheme what is it the spider is yeah, he the spider, the spider. All right. mm-hmm. Varys the spider Varys the spider one of my favorite Varys moments in this episode is when he asks Tyrion how many people know the secret of Jon Snow's true identity and he says <laughs> eight and he says well that's not a secret anymore that's knowledge like he has a number in his head of like how many people can know something before it's like before it can no longer be contained because he is the master 
But at the same time, like as soon as that secret starts like mm-hmm. leaking its way out, you have to assume that Varys is going to know it by the end of the episode. Oh, because, well, like, I'm sure Varys... That's his entire Varys business. Varys probably knew it before Tyrion. Now, I was surprised that Sansa told Tyrion this, but you weren't. I was not, because I think it goes back to that Littlefinger observation mm-hmm. that, like, she knows how to push people's buttons and how mm-hmm. to manipulate other people and information to get what she wants. Yeah, and that's I think, true. I think that's what she's doing here. Like, yeah, the show has consistently underestimated Sansa turn after turn after turn. Mm-hmm. And I think what has kind of been happening in this last season is, like, it's kind of been soft-played that she's kind of been left out, she feels mm-hmm. isolated, she's at odds with Danny. But what we're seeing now is kind of maybe some machinations on her part coming together, mm-hmm. kind of putting her in a position f- so like if things go south in the south, Sansa's on top. Yeah, Sansa is on top. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because like I guess my surprise was it was like well, she betrayed her trust to John, mm-hmm. which, you know, family's very important to the Starks. Uh, so I was a little surprised that she betrayed her trust to John. But what you were saying is that it does very much work to destabilize Daenerys. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Which is her other goal. And so I think that's an interesting point that, like, her shifting loyalty there shows the growth of the character, really. Yeah. And her only loyalty is to the North and to mm-hmm. her family. Yeah. And, like, she's she's been through all this shit, and she wants to, like, secure this one stable thing that she finally has back. Mm-hmm. And I think she has she and, has the means of doing so. And I don't think she truly, really gives a fuck what happens down at King's Landing. No, absolutely Winterfell's not. Winterfell's fine, and she's just going to stay there, and she's going to run it. Yeah. And that's interesting where you said that her real loyalty is to the North. That's something I kind of think about Varys. Like, when Tyrion asks him, how many rulers have you served now? Five, six, seven. And he's like, well, my I only work for the realm. Yeah. My true loyalty is to the realm. And he brings it up to Daenerys. He says, like, well, you're going to kill thousands and thousands of innocent people if you do this. And don't do not do that. And he also tells Tyrion that his, his loyalty is to the people of Westeros. And so I kind of wonder. I was thinking about this after the show ended last night. So we're setting it up now where it's kind of becoming a battle of the two mad queens. They're really leaning into the mad queen, anger, irrational, impulsive aspect of Daenerys and her ego about not wanting to share the throne even with Jon. Mm-hmm. And Cersei is obviously like, I don't, I don't think she's, she's not insane, but she's evil. She's bug nuts. <laughs> She's got, what's that? I've never heard that before. <laughs> she's got a little, she's got some screws loose. She's not playing with a full deck of cards. Okay, but she's not full on cray. I don't think she's not, no, she's not full on cray. Okay. Her I, kids are because they're all weird inbred monsters. <laughs> um, uh, I always think of it in terms of, uh, to reveal more about myself, I always think of it in terms of like in court, an insanity defense. Like someone, could, like, you know. Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't legally insane, you guys. <laughs> he knew what he was doing, therefore he wasn't legally mm-hmm. insane. Cersei knows what she's doing. What she <laughs> Which proved, makes like, her not legally insane. And she proved time and time again in this episode, like, she's the brilliant tactician of this world. Yeah. Good God. Like, everybody caught completely off guard. They've been fucking around with the dead up north, and 
what Cersei's Cersei's been putting together this entire arsenal yeah. of these giant dragon defeating uh-huh. crossbows, which take out a second dragon just like immediately, right away. Finally works. Right away. Okay, my question about that scene is why doesn't Daenerys, when she was flying towards the crossbow, I thought for sure she was just gonna go, Dracarys, right, and just blow it all out of the water, and then that would eliminate. Why didn't she do that? I, she could have. She was very angry. That's her enemy. She could have ended it right there. Why didn't she? It's a, it's a very good question, and the show like refuses to give an answer to it, other yeah. than just like implying that she's not good at this. Like it's but she's been good at it in the past. All of her you know adventures across the narrow sea have all. You know, she's never shown any compassion there. Yeah, but it's also kind of there's there's been a sloppiness there where I think like mm. some of the decisions that she's made have kind of backfired on her. That's true. There was that whole thing with the fighting pits a few seasons ago. Yeah, that she kind of like struggled to keep the loyalty of the people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so she pulls her punches here for some weird reason that isn't fully articulated. Yeah, I don't know either. And all I can figure in terms of the show is that when Cersei tells Euron that it's his baby, all I can figure is that there's some sort of a larger plot point with that coming. Yes. Further down the road, which is very soap opera, <laughs> telling Euron that it was his baby. I mean, that's the nicest thing about getting back to King's Landing is that you kind of get back into that like dynasty Knott's Landing sort yeah. of uh, Game of Thrones mode. All that mode. sweet, sweet scheming. Yeah, throwback sweet to the beginning scheming. of season four when it just seems like the show's going to be about the Lannisters like stabbing each other in the back. Yeah, totally. And well, you know, I mean, someone's got to take over R.I.P. Queen of Thorns, the ultimate scheming bad bitch (laughs) R.I.P. Pour one out we stand a legend yes we do we do she was a legend tell Cersei it was me bitch (laughs) I loved her she was also one of my favorites Uh, all right Uh, we should start wrapping it up is there anything that we didn't touch on we haven't talked about Miss Sande yet which like geez that was another cruel point by the man that was so mean especially considering these are the only two major characters of color at this point, I believe. I believe so. And then last episode or two episodes ago, I forget which one, Grey Worm says to Missande, like, yeah, we're getting the fuck out of here. We are getting away from these crazy fucking white people. And that's not going to happen now. Nah, it was that's this. not going to happen now. This big promise. And like, that's so mean. It's so mean. I, I felt like it was going to happen. I felt like it would if it was going to happen, it would have happened last week. And then this week you get You mean that, one of them dying? Yeah, or both of them dying. And then you get this week that like really cruel tease of them on the boat. They're mm-hmm. holding hands. Grey Worm is smiling. They definitely milked that one for maximum emotional impact. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. And I thought it would have been more old school Game of Thrones if Masande had washed up on the shore after that big uh, sea battle. Mm-hmm. Well, not a big sea battle, that scene that and then a battle they don't really show if she had washed up after that dead on the shore that would have been more old school game of thrones because it would have been more just like none of this means anything (laughs) but instead (laughs) life is cheap (laughs) it goes artificially old school game of thrones yeah i think like Uh very consciously tries to recreate the feeling of ned getting executed yes where like you've got you've got that the big sword coming down you've got the beheading you've got all these people looking up uh, but just doesn't have the same 
emotional punch because it's a it's a little bit more manipulative. Yeah. It doesn't serve the same kind of narrative ends. It is more manipulative and especially more more television showish, more standard drama-ish in that it doesn't come out of nowhere because there's really three beats to that story. There's the beat where Grey Worm goes, where's Masande? And I went, oh, fuck, did she drown? Oh, that's crazy. But then, no, she got captured, and then she gets executed on the wall. And they show her execution really far away. It's, like, in the background, kind of, like, you know, you see the body fall. And we didn't see Ned Stark's head fall off in, like, gross, gory close-up either. Right. But that still felt more impactful than Mm -hmm. this. And I think part of that might be because of the wrapping up aspect that we were talking about, where it's just like, let, <laughs> let's start. All right, get, get rid of them. I'm making a dollar bill hand <laughs> signal, if you're listening and wondering what that little rustling noise was. <laughs> uh, it's time to start making it rain in terms of bodies. <laughs> well, I, think, I think also like Ned's death isn't primarily used to inform other people's storylines. Yes, like, true. That's... Missande dies so that Danny has a reason to be angry. And Grey so Worm, that, too. Yeah, so that Grey Worm has something to fight for next week. And Grey Worm rushes recklessly off into battle next week. Yeah. 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 I wonder if he'll meet a hero's end. I think he will. I'm, I, I'm surprised that he's gotten this far, frankly. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> um, I have a little bit of a sneaky theory. I'm going to put it out here on the record. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come true, but if it did. It would kind of work. Uh, I was wondering, and I'm going to go look this up and chime in if you remember, how much was Varys involved with the wildfire planning for the Battle of Blackwater? I know they used some of it blowing up the keep, but how much wildfire is still underneath the castle at King's Landing? Is Varys, is he going to, if we get both the queens into the Iron Throne Room at some point, is Varys going to be like, fuck both of these women? Fuck them both. They're both insane. They're both going to kill a whole bunch of people. What if he makes himself a martyr to the people of Winterfell and blows the, or, uh, excuse me, Westeros? Not just Winterfell. <laughs> he stands for the whole country. Um, what if he stands for the people of Westeros and blows them both to hell with that leftover wildfire? That's been a dangling plot point for many seasons now. I mean, I think if if he can do it with a minimum of collateral damage, because that's clearly what he that's wants true. to avoid that's the true. most. He, he, uh, that's true. He doesn't believe in collateral damage. Because if he did, he would have let Daenerys charge in there at the end of this episode that's and a, just, like, torch everybody. That's a really great point. In the yeah. Red Keep, which, once again, Cersei, very good tactician. Yeah. Very good planning to move all of those innocent people into the castle where these heroic heroes, these conquerors from the north are coming down and they want to prove that and they're the, the freedom queen, fighters. Yes, yeah. and the foreign queen. And she suddenly there's this like human shield of everyone who lives in right. King's Landing. Well, she definitely anticipated their plan, which was to, they thought that Cersei was going to shut herself up at the right key and leave all the people in the city. And then they could posit themselves as, look, we came to rescue you. But she successfully, um, yeah, she... She was two steps ahead on that one. So I guess what we're saying is brace yourself for a Cersei Lannister victory next week. It's possible or they're all going to go up in wildfire, <laughs> dragonfire, wildfire. Something's going to happen. Something's going to go boom. And then we're going to spend the last 90 minutes of the show with Tormund and Ghost romping around the north. Oh, Wouldn't my that be fun? God, wouldn't that be fun? A little bit of Heidi. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> starring Tormund Giantsbane and Ghost the Direwolf. Listen, I'm down for it. If we want to do kind of like a man versus wild spinoff with Tormund Giantsbane where it's just like they drop him down into a pit and he's got to climb out and like survive by drinking his own pee, I'd watch that show. Even though it's a fictional reality show, which is kind of a ridiculous concept, I'd still watch it. <laughs> Well, do you have any other thoughts on this episode, Katie? No, just that um, I think there's a big battle coming up next week. You know, I said this before the battle against the dead, that I think there's going to be a lot of carnage. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's intentional, but the show is definitely playing with the expectation that there's going to be a ton of carnage. And there hasn't been that much so far. I think they held off a lot of the bigger potential character deaths in the Battle of Winterfell uh, to put them up. Uh, against mm-hmm. fate in this particular episode, in yeah. this particular battle. And I think next week we're really going to see if it's the novelistic old school Game of Thrones or the television new school Game of Thrones is going to win <laughs> that particular <laughs> battle for the Iron Throne. The rubber finally hits the road <laughs> in King's Landing next week. Yes, and uh, so join us again next week. We're going to be back another episode of Winter is Here with the AV Club. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us five stars. We would really love it. It helps people find the podcast. And there are plenty of Game of Thrones podcasts, so anything you can do to get us to the top of the heap of bodies of fallen warriors. That would be lovely. (laughs) And we also have another podcast, if you're a Riverdale fan. It's called Dial M for Maple. It is also available on iTunes or wherever you can find your podcasts. So check us out. And we'll be back next week for more Winter is Here. Bye. Bye.